0: How long are you home for,
1: Brett? I'm just hanging out for about a week. And then I'll probably, my semester, I think most schools are doing this, but I don't know if all of them, but we don't, we don't come back after Thanksgiving break. We're just kind of straight into finals and have that entire week off. Yeah.
2: Right, right. This is kind of the COVID plan.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I just have like two, two longer papers I need to finish by early December or so, but beyond that. Doing well. Just busy.
0: How far do you how far do your parents live from where you're after school? Uh, like
1: four and a half hours. Okay. Which I, I don't, for me that's not very far. I recognize <laughs> for others that is quite a ways. Perhaps yeah. but that's a very tame distance in my book.
2: <laughs> it's like four and a half hours to see my parents. I've driven further for a league challenge. Yeah. <laughs> have
1: I think I mean not specifically usually anytime I drove really far for like a battle roads or something I was like doing something fun like I was just because I went to Nashville for some battle roads I think or not Nashville but Memphis which is about five hours away I don't remember why I think they just started early like I think they just had events the very first week of events and I needed to get points and that's what I did. It's in my repertoire. Every single bar is hard. Spitting fire like I'm
2: the human version of Jarvis Hall. I like that. All right. It's Welcome Br- to the Trash Lanch. It's Brent Halliburton. I'm here as always with Britt Pivus and Mike Boucher. We're jumping right in because we've got so much stuff to talk about in terms of five-star reviews. Sadly, no new five-star reviews this week. Uh, when you leave reviews, we read them on the air. We encourage everybody to leave reviews so we can read them on the air. It's always funny when we do. But, but it's, i got to start off on a sad note today. The news just came out as we were sitting down to record the pod that uh, Adam Capriola is shutting down Six Prizes, at least for the foreseeable future. I, I know for all of us, I think that's how we got into like being voices of something on the Pokemon scene. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you write anywhere before uh, Six Prizes, Mike? No, I was one of the five or six founding writers of six prizes and so i think it was me Fulop, jay hornug jay witz and pablo maybe i don't know
1: yeah, a few right at the very start i remember he had a Drapion article or like right after he had taught forward worlds who who would you say frank diaz or top eight frank, frank,
0: frank diaz. yeah so i uh, so yeah pretty much right as six prizes dropped i was involved and then you know I kind of been involved on and off over over the last ten years. Um, I've known Adam since two thousand four, so it's, just, it's it's been quite a ride, um for sure.
2: Britt, you've been you've been writing there a long time as well. Yeah, I really I wrote
1: from twenty twenty twelve, twenty thirteen or so, all the way till two thousand eighteen. It was something I've thought about too like when I stopped writing that's really when I stopped playing so when I like had to write I at least had to kind of stay involved in the game to some degree to at least compose thoughts like relevant ones or attemptedly relevant ones and then sort of that as soon as I stopped writing I just like kind of magically never never went to an event again for like a year and a half or something and I, I don't know that sort of correlation just hit me the other day but yeah it's really sad to see haven't written for them and some uh, sometime, but I think everyone sort of will remember Six Prizes as just not being not just being the best but it was just like the first the only place to go for so long just sort of right on the arrow when everything was still in Pokegym forums for the most part like it was just sort of the first really surprisingly like even like sort of Like Pojo, even at the time, was sort of anachronistic, but it occasionally would have competitive articles still for whatever reason. So it was really cool, at least then, to see not just the content, but I really think it helped grow the game too, just in terms of like characters and people. You have the writers now, like it's just sort of people at the forefront. And I know for me at the time, and that's when I was first starting getting into the game. So you just like sort of started learning names and stories. And I don't know, I just love to learn the history. And I don't think I would have gotten any of that without sort of Six Prizes laying the foundation for so much more to come. So much of someone's PC and Limitless and all that stuff, all very much indebted to Six Prizes, I would think.
0: Yeah, totally agree. It, it, it's, it's really the biggest jump. Six Prizes was the biggest jump. I think in Pokemon content ever. I mean, everything after that has been somewhat of the same format or, you know, at least all the article sites for sure. And then we started getting into the more like, digital media videos and podcasts and, and all that stuff. But in terms of reading articles, it, it's all based on this, the blueprint that Six Prizes laid out for everyone else. So.
2: I, I, I even down to the like you've got a you gotta have a, a pun in your article title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's I know. not a Pokemon pun, you're like, well, it's not a real Pokemon content site. <laughs> and and I felt like Six Prizes started that. I mean, I just I always thought that like one of the interesting things for me that really stood out as as I kind of, you know, in in I guess twenty fourteen started looking for content to consume was you know, like Adam was maybe the only situation there where he was not a player. He was producing content, and I always felt like the result was like more diversity of writers and better quality writing. Like he, I mean, the the quality of the like his focus was having a really well edited article, and in that respect, that was like uh, I mean, there were just other websites that didn't deliver like that.
0: Yeah. Definitely true. true.
2: And, and and other other websites, like the person creating the content was like a player first and then like content creating and like managing the site second. So I, I just always felt like the quality and consistency of of uh, you know the output on six prizes was better than everything else I'd ever seen. And you would see I felt like you'd see lots of Sites that had moments. I mean, Andrew Wimble 's a great writer, and mm-hmm. you know, Charizard Lounge was uh, had great content. Someone's PC had like a moment where like they were virtually setting the meta day to day, but mm-hmm. but but it was all essentially like it was more about those guys as players, and as their interest in playing waned, like the co- quality of content kind of waxed and waned too. Whereas Six Prizes. writers would come and writers would go but you always knew like six prizes articles were going to be telling you what the heck was going on in the game
0: yeah it was was like more of a established like system as opposed to just single things and nothing to take away from any of those other sites i mean they were all fantastic for fantastic content sometimes you know individually they were often better than the content you would get on six prizes but like you said it was just just the of it like I, I, I never subscribed really to anything except six prizes consistently over the years like I had like you said I had a someone's pc thing for I don't know six months I've had a cut or tap thing that I would always activate right around world's time because that's when Finnegan would be active but <laughs>
2: per- perfect example right like every once yeah. in a while his like finger was on the pulse of the meta and he was like churning out articles and then like you know nine months would go by. Uh, Well, you know, I kind of wondered whether or not talking about this was, like, it's almost too premature, because, I I mean, ironically, one of the other things that I had put on our agenda for today was, you know, Danny Altavia won the Hyperlux tournament on Sunday, and I wanted to talk a little bit about about his list, but, like, the day prior, he had said, gonna take a break from Pokemon retiring for a little while, and, like... (laughs) Yeah, I know I know it's the Pokemon thing where like saying, Hey, I'm taking a break and then not taking a break is this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I think he I think he worded it well enough to avoid this. I think it was implied that he was playing tomorrow regardless. I think I don't think it was quite a doubling back from day one or something, but I could be wrong.
2: Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll take your word. Because yeah, I think I think there was
1: something something about the way that it was worded was sort of implied that like he's not learning the next format that anything in the current format like is fair game or something to that effect. Which, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, no one ever quits. But
2: right, right. If if he says if he says I'm gonna play hardcore for the next week and then I'm quitting after that, that seems that seems worse.
0: <laughs>
2: All right. Should we, talk about, should we talk about the Players' Cup, guys?
0: Yeah.
2: Why don't we kick it off by, Mike, you want to tell us about your uh, horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day?
0: Sure. I played Luke Metal, pretty much the same list that I was playing the week before. The same list I was playing the week before, I got a buy round one, which is pretty sweet. About 20 players got buys. And they did get the buys based on your finishing in the leaderboard, so it's like right. the top 20 or so. Uh, I was 16th, I think, so pretty lucky to have a bye. But then round two, I played against Senescorch, which had three Volcanion, one Heatran, one Victini V, and and a Cramorant. And so that's a lot to attack my Zamazentas. And we split game one and two, both were pretty close. And then game three, he dead drew and I beat him. So that was cool. I beat Senescorch with a lot of counters, only to go up against round three, Senescorch with even more counters. So it ran all of those things that I just said, and it ran Giratina and Scoop of Nets. So that was quite bad. I did win a game in that set, and game three was pretty close, but I couldn't win that one. And then I got bumped down the loser's bracket, and I played against ADPZ, which just, just kind of ran hot. I ran a tool scrapper, kind of did its thing. Game one, I didn't really have a good start. So one out in... What is that? Four rounds. Looking back at it, Luke Metal did okay. I think only one made it through NA, but a ton made it through Europe, which we'll talk about in a second. And I think it was a fine play, but it wasn't that great of a play. I think Senescorch was played a lot more than expected, and I think the ADPs all ran Tool Scrapper, and a lot of them even ran two Tool Scrapper. I think I saw a list from, like, Kenny Britton and Isaiah Bradner, maybe a couple other people that were running two Scrappers. So... I don't think ADPZ would have been that much better of a play for me personally. Honestly, we can when we talk about the decks that made it through, I think Eternatus might have actually just been the play for Players' Cup, um, looking at what the meta was like, at least for NA.
2: So let's talk about that. So I have the list from the one guy that advanced the top 16 playing Luke Metal. How different was his list like, he went he went five zero, And I just wanted to see, were there things that he did differently in his list versus you? Or was it, like, super high RNG? Or was there maybe something else that you look at and you think is different here?
0: His list is less consistent by a little bit. He only has three research. So, that, I mean, that's, that's just a small change. But, I mean, overall, it's basically the same thing. He has two reset stamps. That's the only major addition. He, so, he went... Minus one research, and minus one something else. I can't figure it out right now, but plus two reset stamps. And I think and – he, and he ran two of the tag teams, and I ran one tag team and one stun Fisk. But I'm pretty sure that's it. So it's, it's essentially the same list. Right. Just a couple cards different. Right. So, so, it's... so his matchups were probably better, You know, got a little bit luckier. I don't think it was anything more than that.
2: Yeah, 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 I, I, I look at it, and I think, I mean, he played Centiscorch, he played ADP, Mirror, Eternatus, and some Fossil deck, so, like, must be nice.
0: Yeah, Fossil deck is a free win, Eternatus, very good matchup, generally, a Mirror is, I mean, like, if you're 2-0 in the Mirror, I mean, you, you drew better, like, right, the, <laughs> and then ADP, I think, is a good matchup. But especially if they're not prepared, but it, you know, they can just do their thing and they can beat you. I think right. like also when I played ADP, like one of the games I prized two out of my four metal goggles, and like that's really bad in that matchup. And he beat Sandscorch, which is which is cool. Sandscorch is. A, it really depends on their list and what they play. I think if they only run one other fire attacker, so like either Heatran or Victini. It's not that bad. But if they have both of those plus their volcanoes, then it's really tough. And if they have the Giratina, it's really, really hard. But if they don't, if they don't have that many counters to Zamazenta, so I think it's like
2: 50-50. All right. Why don't we take just a second to talk about? So so we have some data from Europe. In Europe, as you said, like they had, of the people that got through five Melmetalizations three ADPs, two Baby Blowns, two Eternatus, one Decidueye, one Attacking Excadrill, one ram, one Senescorch. And, you know, what's interesting is, and we also have the data, all this is courtesy of Zapdos TCG, on, like, the 256 decks that were played, and Cenoscorch was, like, the second most played deck.
0: Yeah, it's crazy.
2: Any Any thoughts on, like, why we end up seeing, you know, lucario malmetalization do so well in Europe and then kind of bomb out in uh, America?
0: I don't know. I mean, it has, it's like by far the best conversion rate too. like five out of 24 loop metals made it. And like ADP is the next with three and there was 41 ADPs. So like that conversion rates insane.
2: Right, and and Centiscorch has the worst conversion rate,
0: and you would yeah. think that defies all reason, right? Right.
1: Do you think um, it would have something to do with the amount of Pikachu that was played in Europe versus North America? Because if we think that, like we said, the matchup seems to go either way, but seemingly if you play the second uh, Boltons, that seems to be in favor of the Picarom player, I think. And it seemed like Picarom was very popular from what I could see. I wish we had more statistics. I'm not sure how accurate that could be, but I would think maybe that could be part of it. Like maybe not that specifically, but just the matchups in general. Obviously scorch being really high should have, should have hampered Luke Metal's ability to convert so well. So I'm not I mean, who knows? It all there scorch could be the most popular deck, but all the Luke Metals could still dodge them the whole time in a in a bracket, you know, like it could just be variants. I'm not entirely sure. But again, too, and maybe it was the, also that North American ADP players were playing two tool scrappers, and maybe the European ones decided not to play any. Things like that seem yeah. possible, at the very least.
2: Yeah, there's nothing seems to jump out that makes me think it's like metagame versus like kind of more list specific or kind of just match up RNG. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and your, your question about Picaram, like Picaram I think was probably more popular in NA and the probably the average Picaram player is a little bit better in NA would be my guess. Like just looking at the people that made it through with Picaram was Mahone, Justin Bocari, Kevin Clemente, and then I don't know the last person, Eric Brooks. But I mean three out of four of those Picaron players are very good. So I think a good Picaron player does probably have the advantage over a loop metal.
2: Yeah. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about North America top sixteen for a minute. Any things jump out at you guys?
0: Uh so Grant Grant Manley made it through with Eternatus and Like I said, I think Eternatus might have silently been the play, actually, for this. I think it takes a pretty solid matchup against Center Scorch, and Center Scorch seemed to be much more popular than anticipated. I think a lot of the ADP Zs were not playing Big Charm, uh, instead choosing other techs like the second tool scrapper and whatnot, and so I think Eternatus' matchup against ADP gets better. If they're not playing Big Charm, it's a lot easier to kill the ADP, one shot the ADP on the second turn. And clearly Luke Metal didn't do that well. So Eternatus doesn't like that matchup. So that's good. And a lot of the Picaroms drop their crushing hammers as well. So that matchup gets a lot better if they don't have crushing hammers. So I think a lot of things ended up just coincidentally or not falling into place that made Eternatus a pretty good play. And so I think that's a large reason of why Grant did well, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him make top four.
2: Yeah, certainly. When you look at the list, there, there's a lot of uh, good players. Yeah, no surprise. And and maybe maybe the moral stories we dug into European results, we would get a sense of like who you know that strong players played uh, just played the right decks. Although I feel like I think I I feel like I saw that list, and there were like, lots of, like, Italian players that I had never heard of, and then, like, Benji. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Benji's the only person I know that made it. I didn't see that list, but he's the only one I saw. And I'm not, do you know what he played? Which I one think did he he's that- the one who played attacking Excadrill. Okay. <laughs> nice. I, I, I was
2: gonna ask you if you had any idea what the heck was going on with that.
0: Well, if he's playing attacking Excadrill, he is in for a tough time because there's not many good matchups left for him. Yeah, that looks tough.
2: Brent, I know you've been following, like, a lot of the Undaunted guys pretty closely. Any stories from Players' Cup 2 that we should uh, talk about? No. Tate
1: went out 0-2, I believe. Dustin went out 1-2... I don't remember how Frank did. Frank is very aloof. At times, he's hard to get a hold of. I know he was, he obviously didn't make it. And I know he won a round, but I don't know anything else beyond that. He never popped back into chat, to my knowledge. Uh, no, but seemed like a good day for the peak around players from what I could see. It's good to see. Kevin Clemente's list was very interesting, too. And not only did it, it didn't play hammers, but it didn't, like, Play anything super interesting and just played more big charms yeah (laughs) did really well it would seem
2: nice and consistent so a couple of other tournaments that i thought we should talk about unless you guys have more stuff
0: we should say about players cup too the only thing i'll add is i did see a list for the i haven't seen a list for the latin america region i know pablo didn't make it that's that's literally my only data point there and I did see a list for Oceania at some point. And I believe the guy that won the last player's cup, Jack Millar, I believe is the one that won. He yeah. is in the top 16 again uh, this time, which is pretty cool. That's a cool story.
1: Nice. How did, uh, how did Ross do? Did he play blounts
0: Yeah, Ross played ba- blounts got a bye, and then lost two in a row. And Pablo played Senescorch and I think went one and two. So not a good, not a good day for the X-Files crew.
2: <laughs> you know, I recognize, I mean, like there's an element of, I mean, this is why like the whole, they have six one two automatic cut the day too. Like mm-hmm. it's just really easy when you're only playing five rounds, man. It's like yeah. high RNG.
0: Yeah. 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 Like going to X2 is good enough at a regional to move on to the next day and going X2 here is you're out. <laughs> so, yeah. There's definitely higher variance. And a lot there, there's been lots of times where I think the, the regional champion, you know, starts off something like 2-2, two and two, fights back to 7-2, and two, and then goes, whatever, 4-1 on day two and wins the event. I think that's happened quite a lot. So I'm not surprised to see some very good players in the top 16. You know, in NA is what I mostly can base that on. So, you know, we, we see Kevin Clemente, we see Zach Osage, we see Bukhari, Ahmed, Grant, Mahone. But I'm not surprised to not see, you know, 12 out of 16, right? I think there's going to be variants that, and not, not, not taking away anything from the rest of these players, they're probably quite solid players, but we're, we're not going to see all of the name players all the time in a format like this because there's just more variants.
2: Right, right. You're not, yeah, as you said, no disrespect to those guys, but those other guys that you just named are like goats. And I think we've seen so many regionals where like the top eight is like those eight guys and people are like, oh my God, top eight stack. This is, uh, this is like not quite like that. There's, there's definitely a lot of like opportunities for new players that have uh, not had the same kind of success historically. So in that respect, hey, you know, way to take advantage of RNG guys. Go get it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so the other thing I, uh, a couple of other tournaments I thought we should talk about this week there was the big uh, Team Undaunted versus I don't even know what the heck it is Magikarps and things and, and brought brought, brought uh, pride to the traditional edge
1: they're called Rats and Carps I think I think it's essentially just Azul's subs his like channel community I believe is who they are as a group including Azul I guess since he played the last one but yeah it was a lot of fun it was cool just to have like we were kind of all playing together the whole time like you know one person was playing and obviously would have to make the decision but you're in a discord call and could sort of argue about it the whole time which made games very interesting and it was really close too I didn't get to see all of it but I tried to watch as much of it as I can and yeah we've brought similar decks. I noticed that our group didn't bring Pikachu at all, which I wondered if that was a mistake. We didn't really strategize for it. I initially was talking big strategy, like we'd bring seven Altaria decks or something, and you know, <laughs> surely we would win. So I wanted, I was proposing ideas like that. Like I really wanted to, to game the system really hard, but I guess there just wasn't time to coordinate something that intricate. And so we just all played our favorite decks I played so i played lucario melmetal what did i I took mikey mentioned some changes I like, oh yeah i cut uh, the stun fisk and the tag call and i played one sonya and one bird keeper instead and they were both pretty good i mean i played eternatus and i won um that show was really strangely pretty close sometimes like
2: mm-hmm.
1: even if it goes exactly how you plan like it's just hard to deal with the Sableye effectively sometimes. And that's a lot of what the game comes down to. And then bad starts, you can just easily get run over too, which is what happened. The first game I like whiffed energy for three or four turns, I think. And just he killed a Lucario before I attacked with it and I conceded. But yeah, and then I forget how it went after that. Dustin won, hit the next match with Poison Poison Eternatus against Male Melmetal. Kenny lost with ADP to um, Dragapult, Lycanroc. Frank lost to Blounds with Center Scorch. And then Lay lost with Dragapult or Lycanroc to I forget what he had to play against. Tate won with the Aurora Box. And then think he played against like green's pikachu or something or no Green's sent scorch is what tate beat and then the final match was Azul on wilder mewtwo against Lei playing pikachu as our decider deck and he won that one Another something i noticed about both players cup is i guess i was a little surprised at least i i thought mewtwo was really a pretty good deck like I think that both the Psychic version and the Welder version were certainly capable of making top 16 at the very least. I was pretty surprised to see none either side, at least of the one. The unknowns in North America aren't playing Mewtwo anyways, but none in Europe, which I thought was surprising. I guess Tord was close. Tord and them, that was their secret deck, the Lightning Mewtwo, which I believe he was just a roundoff. off. Okay,
0: Joe, both for one roundoff. In your in your guys' thing was each matchup two out of three or just one game?
1: Two out of three, yeah, okay. they were two out of three.
0: So that was like fourteen or to twenty one games somewhere in that range.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. It was hard. Most of them went. Almost all of the series went to game three. I'm pretty sure. So it all came down to really tight games and matchups, which was good to see. It wasn't just auto-losses being queued into each other or something, which there was always some chance of that happening, I believe, but it didn't turn out that way.
2: (laughs) That makes me feel like it it wouldn't be rocket science for PTCGO to add a best-of-three mode and just, like, skip all the, like, weird interactions that people have to do now. You know, all you gotta do is, like, automatically tee them up for another game, and then don't do the coin flip, let whoever lost pick. Not hard.
0: You're asking for a lot. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: like two basic functions.
2: Well, and like, and like, I guess part of my reaction is yeah, like it would it would just make tournaments like Players Cups run more smoothly. Like they could just do that, right? They could. Uh, crazy. I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm asking for too much. So I wanted to get you guys' hot take on. I also posted uh, uh, to our favorite Google Doc. Danny Tavia won the Hyperlux uh, tournament, got $500 playing a Pikaram deck that he says is very favored versus ADP. So he's going to play it until uh, the format changes or until he retires, which I guess was the prior day. Any reaction to uh, this? Like, is this very favored versus uh, ADP? And, you know, we'll gradually see some reshaping of the meta due
0: to his meta manipulation tweets. Also, I think you actually took the wrong image yeah i thought he won
1: with the mewtwo deck i thought yeah. so
0: too he won with it the mewtwo good. yeah i don't know but so he changed a little bit from towards list he dropped one of the farfetched devolution surfetched dropped one of those in something else and put in a gengar mimicue and a melodic v but otherwise it's the it's the same deck and it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool toolbox deck oh i think he dropped one mewtwo yeah, so it's a pretty cool deck. I really, I mean, I haven't played around with it at all, so I don't know how good it is, but I will, I mean, Tord thinks it's good. Danny thinks it's good. I will trust them because they are both good players.
2: <laughs> all right, let's, let, let's wrap up uh, a week worth of tournaments by having Mike talk a little about the Hexter tournament.
0: Oh, yeah. So I commentated Hexter tournament last night, it was pretty fun. I expected to see quite a lot of this deck, actually. The Lightning Mewtwo deck, we saw a little bit. One of them just bubbled out of top eight, I think, or lost its winning into top eight. So none of them actually made top eight, but the top eight consisted of three ADPs, one Lucario Metal, and then four other decks. And then all the ADPs lost in top eight, which was pretty sweet. And it ended up being a Baby Will Cephalon versus Lapras VMAX Finals. So we we commentated Lapras in top eight and top four and in top two, so that was pretty fun. It ended up falling in the finals to Baby Locephalon in three really good games. So it was pretty fun, nothing nothing too crazy, but I just thought it was worth mentioning that Lapras didn't seem too bad to me. The list that was played was really consistent, really straightforward, so if... If it turns out that, like, uh, Colossal, which is, we're going to talk a little bit about vivid voltage in a, in a minute, but if that kind of pushes out Picarom from the format, I think Lapras actually might have some footing.
2: Yeah, so, so how does the Lapras-Blounds matchup work? Is that, is that interesting or, or worthy of uh, being discussed? Like, I recognize you have single prize attackers and you have weakness. Like, if you ask me who wins that, I, I don't know if I would understand how that works.
0: Yeah, uh, it pretty much comes down to can the Lapras player get set up and if Marnie, the Blanche player, like multiple times, and that happened one game and not the other games. It also has to, like, try and boss and kill two prizers when it can as well to jump ahead in the prize trade. So you can't Marnie and boss in the same turn, so that's what's awkward. So you have to choose, like, am I going to disrupt their hand? Or or try and kill their oracorio or whatever. So like there was one game where he chose to kill an oracorio instead of Marnie and I think the Blance player had like seven cards in their hand, and so he killed the oracorio, but then he still got one shot. Like the Vmax got one shot the next turn, and he had the option of Marnie. So it's it's pretty debatable which which to do. So it's kind of a hard balance, and the Cremorant is also pretty good to finish the game. So like w- the end of one of the games, he had the Lapras Vmax up and the blouse player had a very small hand, but he only had, you know, one prize left and he had a Dene on the bench. So Kramer and Welder wins the game. Nice. All right,
2: guys, should we transition to talking about uh, the new set? It sounds like you guys have been looking at it a little bit and generating some opinions.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I've looked at it a little bit. I looked at it for, really for the first time last night kind of while in between rounds, I was kind of giving some of my thoughts. And I will say, I am not impressed. There are not many cards in this set that have jumped out at me. Unsurprisingly, the card that I am most interested in trying has to do with Spirit Tomb. So there is a Donphan in this set that has 150 HP, and it does 120 for one Fighting Energy, which is pretty strong. That's like really good, right? That's one-shotting yeah. a Picaram and it does 20 damage to all of your bench pokemon so you are powering up your spirit you're hitting for 240 damage against fighting weak things you have 150 hp so you're a little bulky i don't know maybe it's the rebirth of spirit tomb probably not but i'm definitely going to try it
1: (laughs) yeah i thought that card looked interesting too and i didn't see many people talking about it in most of the top tens and stuff i was going through um, I, you know, most people don't don't view
2: everything through a spiritum lens. Yeah, going <laughs> wrong with that?
1: Yeah, it's not good. Fighting's got really good support right now. I think, especially with the new energy and the new supporter card. But just like I was saying, I've said a few times, so much of the trouble now is they have good support, but none of them are, are good enough to compete with Eternatus really. Anyways, which so Col- colossal seems like you know the obvious card for that. I'm a little skeptical about it. Being good. Like, I recognize that the typing and stuff is there, but I wonder just how good that attack is against anything else. Like, where, how exactly, because you you play a Ranguru as part of your package, I'm sure, to try to combo it most of the time, but I know it did well at a Japanese tournament. I don't recall what else was played in the deck, but it just seems kind of slow, and then eventually you get to 240, but. I would think that's still just not fast enough against ADP. You don't knock out Zacian or the ADP without multiple attacks, and I imagine that just lets them ultimate Rayu, and then you'll lose. So I'm a little skeptical about it being like a really de facto card of the set. I really, really excited about Snorlax. I think it's a really good card. I think even in aggressive decks, so there will I think some merit in trying it out. I think instead of instead of another didena or crovat, you just get the the second one. You get a Snorlax, especially if you're going first. It seems really really good to me. But then also for control decks too, just it's better than Zacian, And so maybe um, that will give you more the more time that you need. I guess it's just an extra turn, so it's not like all that much more time again to raise ADP, so they don't just knock out your you know, your big prizes anyways. But I think it'll have a lot of versatility. I'm interested in Togekiss, too. Again, probably it would just have to be a control deck, something similar to Sylveon, but I just think that like, attack's really good. Even, too, Sylveon, when it first came out, would occasionally be used more as a setup Pokemon, more for just powering up your Gardevoir, and I could. I'm not sure what it would be, maybe the new Charizard and things like that. I I feel like it could have some versatility trying to work more as a setup Pokemon, maybe with Decidueye or something like that, or I'm not sure, but probably, probably most likely is your control deck. You can play that with Altaria and the Swannas and Kangaskons and things like that. I imagine it'll just be another sort of option for that deck. Then otherwise, Orbeetle, however you say it, looks like a lot of fun. I think that'll definitely be my pet project of the set, trying to make something interesting work with it. I'm not sure.
0: Ooh, it spreads damage.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Its attack can do kind of a lot of damage to to a lot of the format, but it'll need it needs a partner of some kind, and I don't really have a clue what that would be. But I'm gonna work on it. It's the card I'm the most excited for. I think. Mm.
2: Right. I mean, obviously it, it kind of naturally combos with Sableye a little bit and that you can kind of spread damage, pick targets. Mm-hmm. Okay. That seems like an obvious thing. So you said nice things about Snorlax. Do you, have, do you have like an early opinion, guys, on Snorlax versus Jirachi? The Jirachi card's very good.
0: Jirachi is very good, probably. I mean, I think Jirachi is way, way, way better. But but they're also played in very different Like, they might be played in the same deck, but they're played for, like, different reasons and in different counts. Like, is probably going to be... Like, the current Jirachi is more of, like, a three or four of card, and Snorlax is more of, like, a one of. I think Snorlax takes the place of Zacian, kind of like Britt said, and even a deck like Blacephalon probably runs a Snorlax now instead of Zacian. Jirachi, I think, is... I don't know. I'm excited to try Jirachi and stuff, uh, just because it can use Air Balloon, so I think it uh, is immediately... Quite a lot better than maybe the the current Jirachi. Um, right, the
2: fact that you don't have to run an army of uh, switch effects for de- 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 the workaround status conditions. Yeah, yeah, that's something I
1: was really thinking about today. Was like what what Jirachi is going to do to Jirachi decks? Like, do you, do you play both? Is the new one better? Is it does it depend on the deck? Is the old one better for some decks, and the new one better for others? There's a lot to a lot of considerations, a lot that I think we'll will just have to test through. But I I have intuitions on sort of all of those hypotheticals, but I don't really have any clue. Uh, or, you know, it depends on what you're digging for. Because some decks some decks like I, that I've been testing recently, like have Jirachi, but it just doesn't feel like you need all that much. Like, you know, before sometimes in the past, ADPZ would play Jirachi and you're still then digging for you know whatever whatever combo piece you need to get to alter creation but then a lot of times too like in the the pika recently where you play the the scoop of nuts you have all these durachis and you just don't really need anything like your, your search cards are just there anyway so i think like decks like that where it's just kind of there for a general consistency i think maybe the the newer one might be better more often than not. But whereas with something like Blocephalon, I would think that has a lot of tiny moving parts, where you need to see like more cards, and you know, with five cards, you might see two of the three cards you're missing or something like that. Where whereas I, I think your math requires you to to dig a little harder. But I don't have a clue. I bet there's a there's a lot of combinations to try, obviously. But it'll be it'll be exciting
2: to, to find out. Yeah. All right. So, so one other question I wanted to ask you guys. I assume beauty is a bad card, right? It's the it's the new supporter that if you play it, you could play it uh, going first turn one and just draw two cards. Uh, never, uh, it's never worth a deck slot to randomly try to find it turn one,
1: right? No, I, I would think playing one judge wish whistle is probably better. <laughs> like, and if, if if that's the case, then I probably. Beauty's probably a pretty weak card. <laughs> but I could be wrong. I don't know, I don't all those first right. turn gimmicks never seem to be any good. Like, I don't know, people are really freaked out about first ticket, you guys remember that? Yeah, that was a little yeah. before your time, Brent. Do you know, do you know what card we're talking oh, no, about?
2: No, no, totally, I totally remember, I totally remember.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But people like, I uh, uh, ruined the game, we gotta play four. You know, <laughs> and obviously it was just terrible. <laughs>
2: Right, uh, you know, I, I, mean, I think, I think we definitely see a couple of the like classic Pokemon examples of like, well, we printed this card before and it didn't work, but like, let's change it a little bit and reprint it now. What's that? There's the there's the tool for Vmaxes that lets you take one less prize but decreases your hit points to hundred. Yeah, the I amulet
1: that? reprint. I think it's Hero's Medal or something. Right. That could really? be good. I thought maybe that the amulet was maybe a little under explored. It it was. Occasionally, I like in like a toward list or something like that where it's just like yeah, would, perfect, you know. But yeah, so I think maybe this card maybe can see play, but I guess the V Maxes really aren't any good if they if they suddenly lose HP like half of, half of the reason they're good is just because they have so much HP.
2: The games I saw it get played were people like attaching it to knock themselves out in strategic situations. Right. More so than like like putting it on early, they would put it on late. It's weird to imagine that uh, those those kinds of situations, I mean, I have a poor imagination.
0: Yeah. So like flipping through the trainers in general, I think maybe that's the most, one of the most disappointing things is, in general, when I look at a set, I'm always very optimistic about the trainers. And if the trainers are bad, then I always kind of assume that the set is just kind of bad in general. And there's not any like trainers that you're like, wow, this is gonna be played in a lot of decks. Like there's no bystander. there's no Professor's Research, there's no Marnie, like the Fighting, the Fighting Supporter is like not bad, discard the top five cards of your deck, attach Energy to bench Fighting Pokemon, that's okay. The best one is probably the Leon card, so you're, you do 30 more damage that turn, but it's a Supporter, so like you you're, you're going to have to be using other cards to draw things on the turn that you play that so this is really good in a deck like ADP that is playing a lot of the dennis and crobats already other than that
2: let's talk about the b card for a second cuz i'm i'm a little bit surprised so this is a supporter that lets you you discard the top 5 cards of your deck and if any of them are fighting energies you get to attach them to your uh bench fighting pokemon in any way you like my immediate reaction to that was i was like oh it's bad Max Elixir as a supporter.
1: I mean, isn't that just what End's Resolve did and End's Resolve wasn't playable?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I like, yeah, I guess my, my immediate reaction was like, nobody's gonna run so many fighting energies that like they're gonna feel like people with max elixirs all day. If you were just like discard five cards, you'd be like, oh my god, we're gonna lose. <laughs> Yeah, my yeah. So so yeah. Certainly, I feel like I've I've looked at the set and I'm just like, man, doesn't look good. Although uh, you know, I'm very excited about the dittos in the next set. The next set looks completely out of control. Yeah,
1: really- I, I hope for so, that one. This one was just the age of slash for ADP. Yeah, I see. I've seen lots of lists now that people are starting to craft lists for current decks with the new cards I see Leon being floated around a lot as a one of an ADP and I mean it's worth trying to be sure but I wonder like what scenarios do you really need the additional damage like it doesn't really affect most of your thresholds I would think but maybe it's just good for like Lucario Melmetal or something when you don't have a Tool Scrapper, I could see it being useful there. And if you play Elder Goss, then it's always kind of good in your discard. But I wonder what other decks are really sort of fiending for just a little more damage. I think maybe Ternatus could play it sometimes. They would help them, you know, because they're going to Crowbat every turn anyways. It would maybe help them one-shot Vmaxes a lot easier. And if, if they're able to do that somewhat consistently, maybe you play one or two of them then I would think, like, Senescorch is suddenly not nearly as good anymore, um, even though that matchup is, like, fairly close. But it can go the other way, and it goes the other way when Senescorch just is two-shotting you um, faster than you're two-shotting it. So I think that, and just as a presence for VMAX decks in general, like, Internatus is just clearly one of the strongest ones printed and will probably remain that way This, you know, throughout the entire block of all of them. They all just get worse if Eternatus is consistently able to one-shot them all. So that's definitely something to think looking forward. I, I would think that card maybe is worth testing more so in a dark deck rather than ADP, but I guess we'll see.
0: Mm-hmm. makes sense. The rich get richer. One other thing that I'd like to note is that the some of these rainbow rare cards, besides the Drachi, but like the Zamazenta and the Zacian, their attack costs are pretty ridiculous, but if there ends up being a way to power these up without too much difficulty, the attacks are super strong. Like Zacian does 300 damage to a VMAX and it's a, you know, a non, it's a single prize basic Pokémon. And the Zamazenta gives itself like, uh, it can't be hit by a VMAX during the next turn. And it does 180. So you're two shot in a VMAX and safeguarding yourself. So. There doesn't seem to be a, a, a way right now where these energy costs can be fulfilled relatively easily, but if we get some way to do that, I would suspect these cards will be very strong.
2: Yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, I feel like these cards are more playable in Expanded or something where you could do like, like stupid Ho-Oh tricks, and like, like something like that to try to meet bizarre non-Dragon type Pokemon energy requirements.
1: Yeah. yeah that's probably true all these all these goofy cards are always always worth experimenting <laughs> and expanded I know there's that uh art r c s prism star though something similar I remember friends trying to make it work specifically in mm-hmm. expanded for exactly what you're saying you know you've got your counter energies you're you're using Mew to cheat stuff out suddenly all these goofy energies are very possible so
0: yeah I could definitely see
1: them having some space in the Kind of various tool boxes that float around and expand it definitely there now until we get double rainbow energy or something mm-hmm.
0: the only other card that when i was looking through that is kind of interesting is the Talonflame v so it has free retreat to basic pokemon obviously for a colorless it's discard your hand and draw six but it can be used on your first turn going first so that's I think a pre- I don't think it'll see play in any deck that's not a fire deck, but because it, it also has another attack, I think it's 160 or 190 for three, 160 for three, which is not that bad. I mean, that's basically what Cramorant does, but Cramorant can hit the bench, obviously. But so it, it's like a decent fire attacker, but it gives the fire decks like a pretty nice option going first. And obviously they don't want to go first because they want to go second, use Volcanion, but if they're forced to go first, which, you know, is quite a lot of the time, this is, I think, a pretty sweet option. You just quick ball for this and draw six new cards. So I think I would be surprised if this is not at least a one-of in almost every Center Scorch deck, every Firebox deck.
2: That seems, that seems very uh, reasonable. I, I dig it. And, like, discarding fires is the business though, with those decks. Yeah. So, like, you're like, yay, let's discard uh, this handful of fire. That that's uh that seems really uh, strong actually. So uh, anything anything that you guys are looking for for Players Cup two this coming weekend? So who's gonna win?
0: Pick a game
2: here. four guys come out of North America,
1: right? I wish I could just see the bracket. Like I yeah. I, <laughs> I, I could I tell you once I knew that because it would just be like oh, send us scorch gets free matchups all the way down. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, re-
2: I, I recognize. Down. Really, this is just like like there's an element of just like. Pick people that we know are really, really good players and say, hey, that's a good thing. Uh, uh,
1: well, I, I would think that Mikey's pick has probably got to be Grant. So if, yeah. if, he, if he thinks that Eternatus is the plane, going
2: to eke it out. Right, right. We feel like that has a good matchup in the meta, and, and Grant's very good at Pokemon.
0: Yeah, the one thing I'll say, though, Grant is in the loser's bracket. So, a lot of the good player, the quote-unquote name players, are actually in the loser's bracket. Mahone, Mm -hmm. Bokari, Grant, Ahmed. And so, they're only one loss away, while everyone else in the winner's bracket has a loss to give still. So, if I had to pick someone besides Grant, it would probably be someone in the winner's bracket. One of the Pika Rams, probably. I know Kevin is a good player, so... (laughs)
1: Right. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the loser pick. I think they're gonna. I'm gonna go with Ahmed. I think he's got the the extra consistent Senna Scorch list. He's gonna make a, a loser's bracket run and qualify. I mean,
2: he and Zach are basically running same sixty, right? I mm. Imagine. Yeah.
1: And then for Europe, I don't know. I like Benji a lot. I'll probably just pick him because he's a-
2: Exactly, exactly. I don't, I don't know. I would
1: also think he's probably playing Excadrill. He just always kind of does gravitate towards goofier decks a lot of the time. That would, that would be... I think that would make sense and sort of my, my intuition of the, the decks he likes to play. would be like, yeah, that's definitely something Benji would play. I think. So, good luck to him, for sure.
2: Exactly. We would love to have Attacking Excadrill, I think, in... Or, I guess, after this, they all switch decks, because it's going to be the new set dropping, right? Right. But, but yeah, we definitely want to see Attacking Excadrill do well, and uh, we're all a lot of fans. So, that, that's uh, solid stuff. All right. As always, we're sponsored by Channel Fireball. I don't think we have a big ad today, because we've already talked for more than an hour about all kinds of things going on in the universe, but we appreciate their support as always, and it's, uh, it's worth mentioning we love them very much. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for li- listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with preliminary vivid voltage testing results. Maybe I'll have
1: I'll have another five and two. To talk about that's just that's my <laughs> lot in life is I'm just gonna play my goofy bad decks every week and just go five and two on the open.
2: That that's not true because I know like after like nine weeks, everybody gets to be like, I finally broke through because I see those tweets. You know, a different <laughs> person has them every week. Soon <laughs> it will be you.
1: I was so close. I I went five and two this last week with the Aurora box and both my losses were just unplayable openings i like i didn't even it was funny one of them was against adpz and he he like old, quick quickball for zashi and attaches and intrepid at swords and i just like draw and concede because <laughs> it's just like it's over like, it doesn't matter like i didn't i, I have to get Volcanion on this turn it doesn't matter if i top deck a supporter next turn like the fact that i don't flare starter right now means the game is over <laughs> and so i'm sure he was very confused but yeah All the other games went very well. I even won a really, really, really hard game, too, against uh, Mewtwo. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Or Beetle. Or Beetle, I'm coming for you.
2: That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. New set, new new heroic tales of victory on the pod.